if we were to wrap up what there actually is, is it what is God's will for my life in this season? What is God's will for my life in the next season? What is God's big will for my life overall? And we know as um, our pastor has said that there's the, the general will of God, and that's what we read in our Bibles. We can see his general will. We know what he has to say about different things, guidelines, standards, boundaries that we live by. But then there's also his specific will. His specific will comes directly through a relationship with him. So our God has two sides, is that he wants us to know his general will, but he wants us to know deeper than that. He wants us to know his specific will. So from going from here to there, that's just what is God's will for my life? What does that look like? Does anybody know exactly what that is? Oh, good, me either. Okay, so what that is, is what it is, but it's something we all wonder, right? What is God's will for my life? What does he want for my life? We know a general direction, but there's not one person in this room that can tell you, I know exactly what God's will is for my life. I know exactly how the outcome is going to be in this season, the next season, the season I haven't faced yet. I know exactly what I'm facing every single day, and I know God's will, um, his specific will on my behalf. None of us can say that because it takes relationship. It takes a relationship with him. So how do we get there? What is there? It's fulfilling and walking out God's will for our lives, both general and specific. And many of us have a glimpse. So sometimes that's part of what we're going to talk about tonight is we have a glimpse of, I know that I'm walking in God's will right now. There's peace. I know we're trucking in the right direction. But sometimes on our way there, we forget to take God with us. And we try to go there by ourselves. And that's a lot of what we're going to look at tonight. So where do we start? The first place to start to get there is right where you're at. Right where you're at. You can't go back and go, I'm going to start where I was 10 years ago. I'm going to start with the person I'm going to be tomorrow. Because we don't know who that's going to be. But I'm going to start right here. This is where I'm going to start. Whatever circumstance I'm facing, however long I've been a Christian, if I'm not a Christian yet, whatever it is, I'm going to start right here. This is the starting point. But I wanted to say something with that. Sometimes we can look at different people's seasons, stuff that they've walked through, and that's how we think we're going to get to our there is where as well. But that's not the case. God has a unique plan and purpose for your life and every single person's life in this room that is not the same. It is unique to you. And if we thought about it as we do like your kitchen appliances, are they all plugged in? Yeah. So they're all pulling from electricity. Do they use electricity to do the same thing? Does your stove use electricity to cool things off? Does your refrigerator cook things? We hope not. <laughs> okay. Our microwave uses things different even than a stove. My blender uses things different. My coffee pot is very unique. It's fearfully and wonderfully made. And, okay, these things, it's very important, but they all are pulling from the same source. They all require electricity. But though they're pulling from that, that source, they have a unique purpose to them. They have a unique purpose for what they're going to do. The same is true for each and every one of us is that I'm going to start right here to get to my there. But I have a purpose that's unique to me. But I'm going to pull from the same source that everyone else is going to pull for it from in the, bottom of, or in the body of Christ. That we're going to pull from the power, from the influence, from the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pull from what God's word says. I'm going to pull from a relationship with God. But I'm going to go from right here to where, to there, to whatever there is that I'm working on right now in this season. I'm going to that there. But I'm pulling from the, the source of the person of the Holy Spirit. I am pulling from the source of what the Word of God says. It's final authority. It's the boundaries in which I choose to live. The obedience that in my life is submitted to the Word. I'm going to pull from those sources. But what is produced in my life is going to look different because I'm going to use that source a little different. Does that make sense? So don't compare your here and your there to anyone else. You could even be going through a similar circumstance. And just because someone else walked through it a certain way, if it's not grounded in the word of God, and if it's not God's specific word that he has given you, if you walk through it the same way they did, you're not going to get the same results because you're not them. So be who you are created to be. So that's where we start, is we start right where we're at. So now, how do we get there? This is the main point we're going to stay on all night long going forward. How do we get to there? And as I was praying this through, I believe that it has to be broken down into a daily, diligent relationship with God. Here's why. I'm going to put a question. So when we're seeking God's will, 
whether it's for a a certain circumstance that we're facing, or maybe it's, God, why is it that you put me on earth? I just would like to know. Whichever that it is, that if what, when we're facing God, I'm gonna put two ways that we can approach him in prayer, and I want you to pick which one that you normally approach him in prayer with, okay? So we're seeking God on his will, whether it's for a specific circumstance, a decision that we're making, or long-term, big picture, whatever it is. Do we approach him? Here's option one. God, what do you want me to do? When do you want me to do it? How should I do it? Where should I do it? Who needs to be involved? What is the outcome? Are those the kinds of questions that we ask when we approach God? Those seem like valid things to ask, right? Okay, the second thing that we can ask or pray is, Lord, as you go with me, tell me what you want me to do one step at a time and I'll do it. Which one do we normally pray? The first one, right? Most of us pray the first one. And it's a natural prayer to pray. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do this? How do you want me to handle this? Who should be involved in this? But what we're actually doing is how many of you have ever received directions from somebody to somewhere that were incredibly interesting and you ended up there-ish? Anyone? Okay. How many of you have then gone somewhere with someone who's actually been to that place before and they gave you specific instructions when they were in the car with you. Yeah? Okay, which one was easier? My grandma gives instructions like, you know, it's that one greenhouse with the dog in front. Okay, the dog could have got killed last week. Like we have no clue, but it's the one greenhouse with the dog and maybe they're pet sitting and there's two dogs today, so we didn't turn at that house. I don't know. But so we can have directions to go somewhere Or we can have someone right there with us. Too often, when we are trying to get to our there, that's exactly what we ask. God, how do you want me to get there? How do you want me? Who do you want involved? Who do you want? And those are good questions. Those aren't bad questions. But what we're asking with that question is, God, you're sending me over there. You want me to go there. Thanks for the input. I'm going to go ahead and calculate how it is I'm going to actually get there now. And we're going to do it without him. That's what that is actually saying. That blew my mind today. As I was studying, as I was praying over the last couple weeks, I've been studying on even just living spirit-led. How easy that we ask for instructions so that we can go do it on our own. We weren't created to do it on our own. We were created to do it with him. For us to say, God, thank you. Just, Just let me know where I need to go, who I need to do it with, what I need to have it done by is for us to contradict the entirety of his character. Because he says, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. He says that I'm your helper. He says that I'm your guide. He says that I'll order your steps. How is he ordering my steps if I said, thanks for the input, I'm gonna find it from here. He's not ordering our steps. We are ordering our steps. His plans become my plan of how I'm gonna get there. And it changes how we ever get to, if we ever get to, are there. Does that make sense? So I want to break that down and really get us thinking because again, I want this to be something that is so empowering. It's changed the way we do things at home that we've just even been talking today about just different choices and stuff that normally we would go, God, what do you want us to do with that? We'll go do it. (laughs) The stuff that we're going, no, how does God order this? How do we do this with him so that we can actually walk daily in his will and not just hope we end up at his will because there's a difference. Okay, we good there? All right. Um, I love, you know, how Moses said, he goes, God, if you're not going to go, we don't want to go. If your presence isn't going, I'm not going. And that's what inevitably, that's what we want to say is go, no, God, if you're not going, I'm not going. I want to go where you're going. I want you with me. If you're sending me, let's go. So we want to know him through this. Um, If we look at the story of the Israelites, I'm going to paraphrase a lot of scripture because we're going to get into a whole lot of it here in just a little bit. But if we look at the story of the Israelites, here is God's goal. Big picture, when we look at what God's plan, his purpose, and his will is for our life, if we look, the general will for every single one of us is that when he's taken us from here to there, it's not just there that's the thing. The process of getting there, he wants us to know him. He wants us to know who he created us to be. He wants us to grow. So that's the title tonight is that we're going to grow there. We're not just going to go there. But he wants us to grow. He wants us to be spiritually mature. He doesn't want us to stay in the state of just a baby Christian. 
He wants us to grow. So in every season of our life, whenever we're going from here to there, it is a, a season of growth in our life. But we grow in our relationship with him. We grow in who he created us to be. But then we also grow in maturity. We grow in producing fruit. We grow in becoming who he put us on earth to be. Not just, oh, thank God we made it here. And miss everything in between. Because that growth season, that here to there season, are some of the most vital seasons that we'll ever have in our lives. So if we look at the story of the Israelites, God brought them out of Egypt, right? He found them in a place of bondage, in a place of slavery. He brought them out of Egypt and said, I'm taking you to the promised land. He told them where he was taking them. But then on the way there, he gave them a fire by day, a cloud by night. He gave them manna. He gave them water from a rock. He parted the Red Sea. He, there was quell. There, I mean, constant, constant, constant. Miracle after miracle after miracle, right? But they missed every one of them. Because every time they lacked, every time they were without, every time that they missed something, then they questioned God. Every time that, that something didn't go the way that they thought it should, they were just better off in Egypt. Okay, like put ourselves in this. Water coming from a rock. If I'm provided for from like the air, there's manna, there's quill. If I know exactly where I'm going, if there's a physical guide that is there, a cloud and fire, all of these things, my enemies just drowned behind me. And so we get into those, like put yourself in this story. This is the stuff you've seen. But because I'm so focused on the fact that I'm not there, then I totally miss God. I totally miss who he was. I miss that he's trying to reveal to me that I'm gonna take care of you. So I get to this place where I'm almost to my there that was promised to me, but even that's not gonna work out because God forgot to tell me there were giants there. He didn't give us all the details when we left Egypt. Anybody found yourself in a there that you thought you got where God wanted you and you're like, he didn't tell me that all this was here. I wanna go back. Why? Why do we want to go back? Because we missed the entire season in between when he wanted to reveal who he was to us, when he wanted to reveal who we were to him. Man, if we could get to, they're referred to as the children of Israel. They're referred to as children of God. So they're referred to as his kids and have zero idea. And they're not even living like it. So they get to this place, they've missed everything along the way. And there's a few giants. And I, I just wonder, I just wonder, had they, well, a couple of them did, Joshua and Caleb. But I just wonder if here when they started and they saw God part the Red Sea, drown their enemies behind them, if they would have went, wow, I want to learn something about my God there. I want to learn that he's my provider, that he's my protector, that he's my strength, that he's my guide, that he's my, and then we see the cloud. And then we see, and every one of these things that God did along the way, if it revealed who he was to them and who they were to him, and then they grew in their relationship with him and they grew in their relationship with him, I wonder if the giants would have even been a problem or if they would have known without a doubt that God said, that's where we're going. I know him as my provider. I know him as my peace. I know him as my strength. And I know that I'm his. I'm taken care of regardless of what happens up here. But instead they missed every bit of that. They complained their way through it. They grumbled their way through it. They constantly looked back at how things were before. So then they get to the place where they could step into their there. But even the circumstances there aren't up to par. And so a whole generation missed out on there. They never even got to their there because they missed knowing him they missed knowing who he created them to be. He missed the, they missed the growth in between. So they missed all the things that they needed to be able to walk into their there. Put yourself in that story. What is your there? Are we complaining right now in life? Are we grumbling in life? Were things better before? Were things better before I started actually pursuing God in this because now things got hard? Do I even know who God is? Are there any characteristics that I know that I know that I know that regardless of what I see, I can stand on knowing who he is? Or is it all, I don't know, maybe Moses will strike a rock again and save us. Maybe something will happen and get us out of this. 
And will we miss our there because we have nothing that we can actually stand on? Does that make sense? I don't want us to miss our there. So how do we get there? Daily relationship with God. Daily fellowship with him. We serve a relational God. We don't serve a God that wants to be distant from us. We serve a God that wants to do life with us. And if you even think when Jesus called the disciples, he didn't say, hey, get off your boat and go fish those men. It's not what he told them. What did he say? Nobody knows what he said. Follow me, right? Follow me. He didn't say go. He didn't say, hey, my will is for you to, to go do that, to go do that, to go do that. Follow me and I'll make you. That's the same thing he says to us. And when he did say go, because I know somebody is already thinking, like, he did tell us to go and make disciples of all nations. Shouldn't know what you're talking about. All right. He did say that. But before he told him to go, he did say, I've sent you a helper to be your helper, to be your guide, to be your comforter, to be your strength, to be all of these things. So we were not ever sent out alone. We were always sent with a guide. We were always sent with a relationship to our, for our steps to be ordered. For us to be able to follow, it was never for us to go lead our own lives. And so follow me and I will make you. That's the kind of God we serve. Follow me. Are we following him every single day? Every single day. And we're going to look at a little more of what that word even follow even means. But every single day are we following him? When he says to forgive, do we forgive? When he says to do all things without grumbling and complaining. When he says to pray without ceasing. When he says, it's full of them. These are all his general will. But they're not just rules and regulations. It's what gives life. It's what brings life. It's what puts us in the direction and orders our steps in the way that we are supposed to go when I live submitted and obedient to this. Because this is the living word of God. This doesn't just contain the word of God. It is the word of God. And so I have the word to go by, but then I also have a relational that I'm going, I'm following you. I'm following you. I don't want to just go. I want to follow you to where you're taking me. So he said that with the disciples. In Psalms, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Have you ever seen a shepherd go, I sent the sheep over to that field. I don't know if they're going to make it or not. <laughs> okay, that's a disaster waiting to happen, right? A shepherd doesn't leave his sheep. He stays right. These are the references that God has, but so often we try to do it without him. So the goal of growth is an intimate encounter with God. And it happens daily. Daily word, daily prayer, daily obedience, daily surrender. It happens daily. In John 14, 6, again, I'm just going to quote it. It says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He did not say, I'm going to show you the way. He did not say, I'm going to tell you the way. He did not say that I will send you a pin for where you're supposed to end up. He did not say any of those things. He said, I'm the way. I'm the way. There isn't another way. But it's through relationship with him that we get to our there. So it's one day at a time. As we follow him one day at a time, we will keep our lives in the center of God's will. Think about that for just a minute. One day at a time, we keep our lives in the center of God's will. Every day. I asked Oren when we got home today, he said, um, if I were to ask you if you felt like you lived perfectly in God's will today, what would you say? He goes, there you go studying again. <laughs> That's the response. But we have the ability to do so. Did you know there's nothing in this word that we are not empowered to do? That when we say that I choose to obey, I choose to stand on this, I choose to submit my life to this word, there's nothing in this word that we are not empowered to do. But we're not empowered to do it on our own. We're not empowered to do anything in our own strength. The Bible actually says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And so it's when we are surrendered to him, when we are walking by faith and not by sight, when we, are, when we are walking out and applying what this word says, when we are walking out and applying and living obedient to what we've been told, that is when we grow. That's when that relationship happens. That's when we start getting to our there. And it doesn't matter what's there and our there. Because here's the thing. When I choose that today, I'm going to live my life in full submission to the word of God, regardless of what I face, Regardless of what's coming, I'm going to live full submission to the Word of God. I'm going to walk with my steps ordered today. Then we can say, yeah, my life was centered in God's will today. How cool is that? And then we do it again tomorrow. And then we do it again tomorrow. 
but it's a daily thing. And so many of us, instead of it being a daily thing, we're just like, I think God's will is that Aim for the middle when in doubt. Like, that's where we're headed. And we live hoping that we're accomplishing God's will. We live hoping that our family's gonna make it. We live hoping that we're gonna get out of this circumstance. We live hoping that things are gonna change. We live hoping, and it's just this hoping that it works out. Instead of knowing, no, I live submitted to God's will today. That's not a perfect life by any means. We're gonna see that in a minute. But it's a life that says, if the word says it, I'm doing it. If it's contrary to the word, I need to repent for it. If it's outside of the boundaries of the word, I need to get myself back into alignment. And the word helps us do that. And there's grace that empowers us to help us do it. But it's daily. Every single day, at the end of the day, we can say, I live centered in God's will today because I took my thoughts captive, because I meditated on the word, because no corrupt word came out of my mouth, because I did forgive, because I didn't let the sun go down in my wrath, because I did count it all joy, because the way that I saw today was from spiritual eyes. The way that I heard today was through spiritual ears. The way that I reacted and responded today, and it was in a way that honored God. It didn't feel good at all. (laughs) It was hard. It's hard to do so but I'm centered in God's will. And I'm gonna do the same thing tomorrow because we don't know what we're going to face. But every single day that we choose to live surrendered to the will of God is a day that strengthens us for what we're gonna face the next and what we're gonna face the next and what we're gonna face the next. And so every day we are growing to be able to go, tomorrow I don't question who God was because I know who he was to me today. I don't question any, uh, who I am because I know where I was. Does that make sense? So every day, it's daily growth, daily growth, daily growth. It's a relational God. So every single day, knowing him, not about him, obeying and applying the word of God, not just knowing the word of God. Oren's gonna hand out some papers. Um, It's, you know, quick worksheet. But what we're doing, these are all the scriptures. I told you we'd get to plenty of scriptures. So you're gonna get scriptures. But we're gonna test our knowledge of the word of God. You do not have to share your answers, none of these things. Don't be threatened by the scriptures. But I wanna show us how much of the word do we actually know. But then I want us to also, as we're going through this, as you're filling it out, how much of this is actually applied? My mom preached a couple months ago and she said a line and a phrase that has kind of just stuck with me. And she said, you only know the word that you apply. You only actually know the word that you apply. And a lot of us know a lot of scripture. And when we're trying to get from here to there, sometimes we're quoting ourselves there and not applying ourselves there. And so I'm quoting what God says about my future. I'm quoting what God says about this. I'm quoting what God says about this, but I'm submitting and applying actually none of it. I just know it. And so I quote and I quote and I quote and I quote and I wonder why God's not coming through. God's going, when are you going to walk it out? (laughs) When are you going to be a doer of the word? Yes, I know what my word says. Thank you for telling me. Um, But how are you going to walk that out? How are you going to put into practice what is happening? So I'm going to give you just a couple minutes, two minutes to fill those out to the best of your ability. Extra points if you know the reference. I'm going to call it there. You keep, don't let it be a distraction. Don't let it steal from you because there's good stuff still to come. Okay, how many of you were able to fill in like five? Yeah? Okay, most of the room was able to at least get five. Okay, again, not a thing like, I didn't know one of them. That's not a problem. It really does not matter. Again, you start at your here, not their here. So you start at your here. So regardless of how many you got, the point of this was we know Scripture. We, we absolutely know scripture and your papers are coming so you now know what we're talking about. We know scripture. We know what God says about things. We know what he says about circumstances. We read scripture. We hear scripture. We hear scripture at church. But then if you had to go back through and you had to circle, which one of these do you absolutely apply without a doubt? That you walk out, no questions asked how many of those would really actually be circled on our page? I did the same thing with me today. I know, and it's again, don't raise your hand, don't answer out loud, just look down at your paper like you're still working really hard because it's awkward if you make eye contact with anybody. But when we say trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, that is great on a good day. And then a bad day happens. 
Do we still trust or do we jump over to our understanding? When it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How many of you say, I wish I had? How many of us go, if I just had that, then I would? God, you asked me to do this, but I can't because I don't have. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The kids version says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. That we don't even need anything because we know him that well. That even though if the physical, tangible thing is not there in front of us, I know who my God is. And I know that if I'm walking in his will, that thing, whatever it is that I need, is going to be provided for me. Or do I live in lack? Do I live wanting? What about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you have thought today, I can't live in, in God's will every day. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can't do it in your own strength, no. But you can do it through his what about be anxious for nothing? Anxious for nothing. That's a hard one. That's a really hard one. Be anxious for nothing. Anybody anxious for anything today? Again, don't raise your hand. It's awkward to everyone around you. They think you're like a sinner. Um, just don't be anxious. <laughs> but don't be anxious for nothing. And then what about don't worry about tomorrow? Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next week. Don't worry about the test, the bill, the court date, the whatever it may be, don't worry about that thing. Because sufficient for today is its own trouble. We got all kinds of stuff to worry about today that we'll miss. I'll miss who God is today. I'll miss who he's telling me I am today. I'll miss the growth that he has for me today when I'm so worried about what's to come later. Did everyone get a paper? Orin had a few extra back there. I just want to make sure. Everybody's good? Okay, we're good. Thank you. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So you're like, I'm angry and I didn't sin, but I didn't deal with it before I went to bed. <laughs> right? We partially obey. That leads to part-time Christianity. Um, rejo rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. And this verse actually says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we're looking at some of his general will here. Pray without ceasing. Do we pray without ceasing? In everything, do we give thanks? Or is there some complaining, some grumbling, some whining? Maybe some, some judgment, being a little bit critical. Rejoice always. If you were grumpy today, <laughs> fail. Mark that one off. Nope. Try again tomorrow. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do all things without complaining and disputing. If you love me, keep my commandments. But, <laughs> but I say to you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Again, this is by no means a condemning thing. But what I wanted us to see is how much of the word sometimes we know and we can quote, but how little of the word we actually want to apply because it's uncomfortable and it's hard. God, I know you said be anxious for nothing, but if you knew where I was, did you not take him with you today? <laughs> he knows exactly where we're at. But any, any, any place that we feel like we have to compromise the word of God because of our circumstance reveals a lack of what we know and trust about him. Any place. It reveals where we lack and what we know about him and where we actually trust him. In any way that I have to remove myself from the word of God and take things into my own hands. That's where it reveals. So I want to look at a life of somebody... Now we're going to, now that we went through all those scriptures really, really fast, we're going to go through our actual Bible. So go to Genesis 12, and we're going to, good work, we're going to look at an example of everything that we've been talking about. So this is Abram, and this is a part of the story where God is taking him from here to there. But like us, he doesn't exactly know where there is. And we're going to see that revealed right here. So in 12.1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. 
to a land that I will show you. He didn't tell him where he was going. He said, I need you to just get out of here. I need you to step away from some things. Here's the thing, when we start applying the word of God, when we read the word of God and we're gonna apply the word of God, like these scriptures here, it's uncomfortable because when we're leaving here, there's some things we have to leave behind. There's some things that we're gonna have to separate from. There's some things that God's gonna reveal in our lives that we might not get to take with us, that we're gonna have to, have to remove. And this is a constant, it says that the word is for reproof. The word is for correction. It says that the Lord loves whom he corrects. Okay, correction should be a happy thing for our life. I know it's not happy in the moment, but it's a happy thing because I'm about to grow. God is getting rid of something that doesn't belong in my life. So correction is a good thing. So if you hate correction, start studying it out. It is a good thing in our lives. So correction is good. So here's what he's doing. He said, Abraham, or Abram, he's not Abraham yet, Abram. I need you to leave but you gotta leave these things. I need you to leave this. I need you to step away from this. I need you to remove yourself from this. We gotta remove some things. We gotta get rid of some things that don't belong for me to be able to take you there because I cannot establish there in your here. We're gonna have to move. And for us, sometimes that's moving from a habit. Sometimes our there is just being free from things in life. Sometimes our there is the other side of a circumstance. Sometimes it could be, it does not mean that everybody has to like, up and move your physical location <laughs> in order to get to your there. Sometimes that is the case. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just, I gotta remove you from this, this stuff so that I can get you to this stuff. And so that's where God's telling him here. But then he says this, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse them who curses you and, all, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, that means the blessing on my life hinged on Abraham's, Abram's obedience. All the families of the earth will be blessed because God was blessing him. Okay, that's a pretty good promise for God to give Abram right here. But here's what happened is he said, I'm gonna take you from here. You're gonna have to remove some things. Do you think that was easy? Like we read it like, oh cool, get out of jail free card, head that way. God will show you all as well. Until we're in our here and God's like, I need that gone. I need that adjusted. I need this but here's what I want you to know. I'm gonna make you a great nation. I'm gonna make, we read the promises of God and we claim those. But here's what Abram knew here. Abram knew, I'm gonna have to remove this stuff and I'm gonna have to go. But all of that blessing that God just told me is directly dependent on my obedience in this moment. Directly dependent Abraham couldn't stay there and go, God, you said you were gonna make me a great nation. You were gonna bless those who bless me. You're gonna curse those who curse me. And all the families in the whole world are gonna be blessed because you blessed me. It was hinged on his obedience in that moment. So what are some things? I would ask you, part of tonight in, re in writing, when you're writing stuff down, writing notes, what are some things that God's asking you to set aside? What are some things that God's asking for you to remove from your life? Where are some areas that maybe we're not being obedient to the word and not applying the word? But God was doing something bigger in Abram here. The destination, meh, it's gonna matter in the long term, down the road, but really not a big deal in Abram's life specifically. It would matter to his descendants. But to him specifically, it wasn't about the destination. He wanted to do something in Abram that only going to there could do. And so for him, his obedience was vital. And he obeyed. He left, took his family. He's headed to wherever there is that God is going to show him, not send him. He's gonna show him. So he heads out. But then he gets to this land and God says, hey, by the way, well, we'll just read it. Uh, skip down to, we'll just read from verse four. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then five, oh sorry, then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So God showed him to go there. They came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh and the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. He pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. 
There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still towards the south. So he gets to this land. He gets to a there. And God says, by the way, because of your obedience. Okay, here's what I want us to recognize about obedience. And I wrote it down and I need to read it specifically. Okay, obedience brings blessing, but it also brings greater clarity of God's will, purpose, and direction. It brings greater clarity of God's will, purpose, and direction for our lives. So he was obedient. He didn't know he was going to Canaan, and he didn't know that that was going to be the land that God was given to his descendants. But when he got there, God revealed it. Why? Because he was obedient. He was obedient to head there. And when he came to this place, God said, this is yours. By the way, I'm going to give this to you. I'm gonna, I'm, there's more clarity in why I'm taking you where I'm taking you. But then something happened. So Abram's been very obedient to this point. Abram has seen really cool things from God, showing in places, building altars to God. But then there was a famine. Then there was a famine. Instead of staying in the place that God promised him, he flees to Egypt because he can get food there. So Abram flees and heads to Egypt. What happened? When he left he was trusting the Lord. He wasn't leaning on his own understanding. When he left, he was walking by faith and not by sight. He had no idea where he was going. When he left, he was walking in complete obedience and surrender to the word of God. But now, my sight got in my way. But now there's a famine. So God brought me here. But now there's a famine. So I'm going to head to Egypt. You can read the story on your own time, but he gets to Egypt, basically makes a huge mess of things, freaks out because there's a famine, tries to get some food, lies, gives his wife to the king. The king finds out that he lied about his wife. Should have died, didn't die, got, got his wife back, went back to Canaan. That's that in a nutshell. So bad deal. Don't give your wife away when things get bad. That's what we learned from this experience, <laughs> okay? Keep her with you. She's not your sister. That's what Abram teaches us. Just... In case you're wondering, that sums up the story. So that's what happened with Abram. Bad things happened. Why? Because he's walking outside of obedience now. Because now I've taken things into my own hands. Because now I'm not living in obedience and walking where God told me to walk before. I'm doing it on my own. So God showed us where there was, but then something happened bad in there. What did we do? Make it personal. Always put yourself in the Bible stories. Don't just judge Abram. You could have done it too. What, make it personal. What happens when something goes bad there? What happens when there isn't quite what it was cracked up to be? Because if he thinks back like, hmm, you will make my name great. You shall be a blessing. I mean, that's what I would walk around because sometimes I'm better. But sometimes when there isn't really what I think it should be, God said I would be great. He will bless those who bless me and curse those who curse me. This is not what I thought. Okay, how many of us are like, oh, what God said, God said this, his promise said this, it's not what I'm seeing, must have missed God. So then we handle our there on our own. So he flees. So fast forward to chapters later that I'm gonna paraphrase and then we're gonna pick up in 22 after I paraphrase. Fast forward he goes back to where he belongs. Things are looking up. God has him at another there. And then he reveals another there. And he says, hey, you're going to have a son. I'm going to give you a son. God makes another promise. Okay, even though he made a mistake. And Lance talked about this Sunday. What kind of repentance had Abram had to have to be able to get back to the place that God goes, hey, that's okay, I got another there for you. It was a hiccup, but there's another there for you. I, I'm going to give you a son. Things are looking up. It is great. He doesn't know how it's going to happen. God gave him another promise, though. When he repented, stepped back into obedience, stepped back into headed where he was supposed to head. God said, I'm going to give you a there. I'm going to restore some things. So Abram's like, okay. His wife's like, God did say, but he forgot to tell you that he wanted us to help him out because we're not exactly sure that he can follow through with what he told us that he was going to do. Okay, again, it could be a judgy moment from us to Abram. 
But how many times when God doesn't come through on our timeline, we decide that we're going to make it by ourselves. God told me that I would be this. God told me that I would go here. God told me my family would look like this. God told me I would have this much money. God told me, so he must be waiting on me to figure it out myself. So I'm going to make it happen. So she does. So she has Abraham sleep with her servant, maiden, midwife person. And midwife gets pregnant. But here's the thing. And I got to read it how I wrote this down too. It's a total message for another time, but it's just interesting to me. We will always come to hate what we create outside of God's instruction. We will always come to hate what we create outside of God's instruction. Again, that's a whole message in its own, but I want us just to take note of that, that when I choose to step outside of going there, how God told me to get there, Sarai hated Hagar. She was jealous of her to the point that she was so evil to her that she left. Hagar ended up leaving with the thing that they created that God promised them that God actually didn't promise them in that way. She ends up leaving. Why? I created something. I helped God out. And now I hate this thing in my life. It's a danger of stepping outside of the obedience to the word, the daily application, the daily surrender to his will, because I take one day in my own hands and I try to do things my way. I might just hate and get rid of the thing that I created that I thought I was helping God out with. And then it stuck with me, stuck with him for generations. To this day, there's the effects of that decision. How big those things are that we just take things into our own hands. So then again, we made another mistake. This was very encouraging me today because I went, oh, Abram made mistakes. He turned out all right. It's okay. We, like, there's hope for all of us. Because how many of us have taken things into our own hands and messed them up? How many of us have not been to the there that we needed to be there? How many of us have decided there wasn't good enough and fled somewhere else to take care of ourselves? And now there's some trouble in the land. We've been there. But again, being quick to repent, to take that correction and go, God, I messed up. Because again, God says, but I still made you a promise. I still made you a promise. Okay, at this point, we see that Abraham, outside of a couple circumstance, he really had to have a consistent relationship with God, right? He had to have this daily walk with God to know who he was. And I'm gonna prove that right here. And I'm gonna prove how important at the beginning when God said, I need you to leave here and I need you to go to the place that I'm gonna show you how important it was for Abraham to trust, how important it was for Abraham to obey and to walk daily and not miss like the Israelites did, not miss who God said he was, not miss what God said he was gonna do, not miss who God created him to be. And he Abram didn't miss those things. He had to grow in some things. And how do we grow? Usually it's through the mistakes that we made. So he made mistakes. We know that he's growing. And we know that he's aligning himself back with God because now we get to the point Isaac is born the promise came through. Scholars believe at this point in the story that Isaac is about 30 years old. So he's not a little kid like in the movies. Isaac is a grown man at this point in the story. And so there's some things that Isaac have had to learn as well. That Abraham, I'm assuming, would have been the one to teach him about who God is. About what God says. About trusting God regardless of not knowing where we're going. Um, and doing what he says. So here's what, if we, uh, chapter 22, verse one, it says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said, and Abraham said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So it's almost a repeat of original. He doesn't say, go to this specific mountain and sacrifice your son. He says, I need you to go sacrifice your son. So you're going to head this direction, but then I'm going to tell you which mountain when we get there. Again, what is he trying to show Abram here, or Abraham at this point? He's trying to show Abraham, this is not something I'm sending you to go do. And that backs up where we were at the beginning. That God, I don't want to do this without you. I don't want you to just tell me where to go and tell me what to do and tell me what to include and not to include. But instead, I'm going to go where you go and I'll obey every step of the way. 
I'm just gonna be obedient in every step. So he's revealing this to Abraham a second. Go there and I'll reveal it when we get there. So Abraham, I would probably have some questions personally. It doesn't say that. It says, for the mountains for which I shall tell you. Next verse, Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told them. Okay, immediately, he arose, he went. Okay, this is quite the thing that God has asked him to do. This is a whole other there. This is a whole other level of everything that I've worked for, of everything that God has promised me. It is all wrapped up in this moment, and now he's telling me to sacrifice the thing that was the most valuable thing in my life, the, most, the, the thing, the there that I thought I had finally arrived, the there, that place that I thought, that breakthrough I thought I finally had, that thing I finally had, the circumstance that I worked through, the victory, the position, the job, the whatever it is, that thing that I prayed so hard for, that thing now he's telling me to go sacrifice. And it says that immediately he went up and he went. Here's where I say it's so important. Abraham had to know something about God that's at a whole other level because these next lines. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Why? Because obedience always brings revelation to something. That my obedience, I walk by faith and not by sight, and then my obedience will reveal the thing that God's taken me to, the thing that he's bringing me from, the thing that he wants to give me, the place that I'm going, whatever it is, obedience is what brings that revelation. Sometimes we're like, just waiting for you to tell me where to go. Just waiting for you to tell me where to go. What do I do next, God? What do I do next? And instead he's going, I'm trying to order your steps there, but we're not going. Every step, every step, every step. So he reveals this place. So now he knows where he's supposed to go. Abraham said to his young men, this line is incredible to me. Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Doesn't say I'm coming back. He said, you stay here. We're gonna go worship and we are going to return. What did he have to know about his God to say that with that much confidence that God just told me to go sacrifice my son? And with this much confidence, I'm gonna say, you stay here, I'm gonna go up here. We'll be back in a bit. Do we see the importance of his process all the way through bringing him to this moment that he knew exactly who? that it was through the offspring of Isaac specifically that we're going to possess different lands. He knew specifically. So he couldn't kill him. There was no Rebecca yet, this part in the story. So he's going, God must, like, what are my options? He's going to raise him from the dead after I burn him? Like, something's going to happen. Because I know that when God makes a promise, he's going to come through with it. I know that when God tells me something... I know that it's sure. I know that in my obedience, more is revealed than I can wonder. I know that even though this doesn't look like what I want it to, my obedience is necessary in this moment. That is what I know about my God. He didn't know what was gonna happen up there. He didn't know how he was coming back. He knew who God was, what God said, but it came from daily surrender with him. It came from daily relationship with him. That is the only way he was able to do this. And he says, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took him, okay, again, Abraham is old and decrepit. Isaac is young and strong and grand. Point. Do you think, it, it says that he just laid wood on him. A grown man is like, sure, burn me. Okay, what did Isaac have to know about God? To follow through even with the obedience of what Abram and Abraham, Abraham at this point, said. What did Isaac have to know? See guys, when we're headed to our there, regardless of it looks like, we gotta know some things about our God. We've gotta have more than, I think my scripture of today would apply to the situation. I just can't remember what it was because I read it so fast on my way out of the house. 
There's got to be so much more depth to our relationship with him that we go, no, I see this there. I understand, but I know who my God is. I know what his word says. I'm obedient to his word. I know that I am centered in his will. That we are that confident to go, I am centered in his will in this moment. And his promise is going to come through. <coughs> so I have something in my throat. Um, says he laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, son. Then he said, look, the fire in the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself a land for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. It says that over and over, and I don't think stuff in the word of God is on accident, the specific place that God had told him. What if Abraham would have stopped halfway up the mountain and said, I don't want to go the rest of the way you're telling me. I'd, like, it's easier just to kill him here than there. What if he would have stopped short? But it said specifically that he went to the place God had told him. Specifically to that place. Sometimes we want to stop short because I know this is the outcome. So why finish? But he says, go to the place that I have told you. So it says that he went specifically there. He placed the wood in order. He bound Isaac, his son, and laid him upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do any. I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. Do you think the ram just got caught there? Or do you think the ram was maybe there the whole time, but again, through obedience, then God revealed what he needed Abraham to have in that moment. How incredible when we're headed to our there, just walking out obedience, simple obedience to the word of God. Again, level the playing field that every one of us in this room are starting with where we're at right now. What simple obedience can I walk out tonight? From the time I leave church to going home, what simple obedience can I walk out? What simple obedience am I going to walk out tomorrow so that I can say, no, I'm walking, I'm centered in the will of God today because I'm going to, I'm going to live obedient to this word. What things do I need to get rid of? What things do I need to separate from? What things do I need to not let my mouth speak anymore? What forgiveness do I need to offer? What anger do I need to deal with? What addiction do I need to deal with? What habits do I need to deal with? What do I need to deal with so that I can step out of my here, head to my there, so that I can see the fullness of what God has for me? Because God has fullness that we can't even imagine, but it takes obedience. But here's the thing. Abraham knew that he was supposed to sacrifice Isaac. Again, that, that question that I ask at the very beginning, and you can stand with me as I close. That question that I ask at the very beginning, when I said, how do we pray for the will of God in our life? God, what do you want me to do? Who with? How? That same question. If Abraham would have asked that way and went... He would have sacrificed something that was never meant to be sacrificed, that was only meant to be surrendered. How many Isaacs have we killed in our lives? Because we forgot to take God with us and acknowledge him along the way. And we were the ones ordering our steps instead of allowing God to order our steps. And so, yes, we were following directions in our own strength. And it ended up where we sacrificed something that was only ever meant to be surrendered. Because it was through that surrender that God said, no, look at, look at what I've provided. And now I know that you fear me because you've withheld nothing from me. So we can think I'm walking out obedience, but guys doing it in our own strength is never what we were created to do. It was never what we were designed to do. It was never what God asked us to do. And so we can think I'm walking out the word. I'm doing my best to apply the word. I'm trying to fight in my marriage. I'm trying to fight in my finances. I'm trying to fight in this circumstance. I'm trying to fight for this. I'm trying to fight... But when we're fighting in our own strengths and not allowing God to order our steps every single day, we can end up sabotaging something, running from something, sacrificing something that was never meant to be. 
and we miss out on the miracle, we miss out on what God wants to reveal on the other side. Our obedience will always reveal more. It will always bring don't gotta understand the whole picture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. He wants to be with us every step of the way. And that should take the pressure off of us. Like, oh, at the end of the day, I don't have to go, I hope I did okay. But instead, every word, every thought, all day long, I can surrender to him. The decisions that I make, I can have ongoing conversation with him, build that relationship, read him, hear him, have relationship with him to where I don't question when I face things, it could be hell on earth. Doesn't make me question who God is. Does not make me question. Things could not go the way I thought. Doesn't make me question who God is. Doesn't make me question how much I mean to him. Doesn't make me question who I am. Bring in correction, then I'm gonna be quick to repent. Because then I can be right back, right standing with God that he says that he casts our sin, he blots them out. And so as we close tonight, my encouragement with this is that we don't just go there, but we grow there. That we don't miss the process in between. That we don't get so consumed by where there is, how fast there is coming, that we miss the whole process in the middle. We miss who God is, who he's trying to reveal himself to us, what he's trying to reveal. And if there's areas that you go, I know that I've taken my there into my own hands. Guys, repent quickly for that. It's, it's not... It's not detriment. It's not going to keep you unless you choose to stay there. It's not going to keep you from where God promised. It's something that he wants to restore. We serve a God that wants to restore. We serve a God that wants to redeem. And allow it to be in his timing. Our job is every single day. So today, I'm going to walk out in as much of obedience to this word as I possibly know. I'm going to rely on his grace. I'm going to rely on his help. I'm going to rely on his strength. But I'm going to allow him to order my steps. I don't want to make decisions outside of him. I don't want to say things outside of him. I don't want to handle situations outside of him. I don't want to give my opinion outside of him. But learning to just flow with him every single day. Does that make sense? So that's my encouragement that we grow there. The closer we grow to him, the more we glorify him. And I believe every single one of us wants a life that glorifies him. I believe every single one of us in this room go, I just wish I knew what God's will was for my life. Start with what his will is. What his will is for tomorrow. That I'm just gonna step. I'm gonna step in as much obedience to this word as I possibly know how I'm gonna ask for his help. So if you'll bow your heads, if you'll close your eyes with me. Father God, we thank you for the plan and the purpose that you have for each and every one of us. And God, we don't want to just get to our theirs. We want to walk out the process, every bit of the process in total and complete obedience that you have for us. Don't let us go another day without knowing you more at the end of it. Don't let us go another day without you revealing who we are to you by the end of it. Don't let us go another day and stay the same if not go backwards, but every day that we would walk closer with you, every single day we would have a new revelation of you, every single day we would have new revelation of ourselves, but every day that we would grow. That next week at this time that we will not be at the same place that we are tonight. I pray that you would lead, you would guide, you would direct us, you would give us wisdom, that we would be able to apply your word to our circumstances. I pray that you would bring scriptures that... You bring all things to our remembrance. I pray that you would convict, Father God, convict us to righteousness. I pray that you would correct us. I pray that you would show us where maybe we've missed it, where maybe we've stepped off, maybe that we're living by sight instead of by faith. Maybe a place that we're trusting in our own understanding. Maybe a place that we've done things in our own hands. Maybe a place where we have decided that we're gonna walk and try to accomplish what you would have us to do without you. I pray that you would reveal those areas to us. And Father, we repent of those areas. And we ask for your forgiveness. And I pray that you would, regardless of where our here is at today, that you would reveal to every single one of us the things that need set aside, the things that need brought into order, the things that need adjusted and arranged to be able to walk to our there.
We trust you. We love you. We honor you and we praise you. And before we close, if you're at a place that you say, I've never even given my life to Jesus. That's my here. My here is that I don't know him. And I want to know him. Because I want to walk in the fullness that he has for me. I want to walk to the there that he has for me. And maybe tonight you're there. Maybe tonight your obedience is just receiving him. And so if you do not know that you know that you know, and you say, I want to ask Jesus to live in my life. I want to make him Lord of my life. I want to ask him into my heart. If you would just lift your hand with me. Say, I want to reach out. I want to step out in obedience tonight. This is my here. That is my there. Is there anyone? And I believe every single person is at the starting point of knowing we know him. We know him as our Lord. We know him as our Savior. We know that he died for us. But now the goal is not just to stay there, but it is to walk forward into maturity, to walk into the fullness of life that he has for you. So Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for safety, a safe week over every single person here. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, if you need agreement, our altar team will be up here. We'd love to pray with you, love to agree with you. Otherwise, have a super fantastic rest of your week, and we'll see you on Sunday.